Welcome to Fried, the ultimate guide to burnout podcast. If you've ever been burnt out because of your job, your relationship, or just your life, this is the place for you. We will talk all things burnout by sharing deep stories of personal transformation each week with a new guest who vows to share their stories without leaving out the scary bits. This is raw, honest, and brought to you by acupuncturist and burnout coach Kate Denovan, whose own experiences make her determined to change the current burnout culture. This week on the podcast, we are going to be talking about being alone as an entrepreneur as a factor in burnout, overgiving and burnout, feeling like you always have to be the shiro, knowing when it's time to redefine your success, and getting honest about how you actually feel. During these conversations, we use a couple of swear words. So if you have some sensitive ears in the car with you, or you are someone who is easily offended by swearing, this might not be the episode for you. Otherwise, tune in and let me know what you think. Okay, welcome back everybody. Terry Hofford is my guest today and I am so excited to speak to her because she is an inspirational speaker, an empowerment photographer, and a body image activist based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. After having been at both ends of the weight spectrum herself, Terry realized that achieving the perfect quote-unquote body was not the answer, but rather finding contentment with the size and shape that one is at in the present is the key to feeling complete and confident. From this, Terry created an empowerment empire, which includes her photography business, Terry Hofford Photography, the Body Image Bootcamp, and Everybody's Education, three resources which help women and photographers overcome their body image issues so they can shift their focus from changing their bodies to changing the world. Terry, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> me too. And just before we get into your burnout story, I do want to read your goal from your website, kind of your war chant, um, because it's really powerful. And that's the kind of energy that I want to go forward through the rest of this interview so that people can really feel that. So I'm going to read something that Terry wrote. These are Terry's words. And I want you to, to really just so soak them up for the remainder of this interview. Terry says, People spend way too much fucking time worried about their looks. It's time we stopped focusing on changing our bodies and start focusing on changing the world. Terry, amen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> amen to that. So when I originally was asking people to be on this podcast, I was asking for people with stories, their own stories of burnout and the initial short story that I got from you really intrigued me because it parallels my own in some ways. So if you could share with everybody what your burnout experience was to get us started, we'll, we'll use that and then we'll use that as a springboard for the rest of our chat. Yeah, absolutely. So I was always the person that, and it sounds terrible, but I was always the person that when people would be like, oh, I'm depressed or I have depression, I would be like, well, just be happy. Like just you know, if you think it hard enough, you'll become it. 
And then last year, I found myself kind of in a pit, I guess I would say. And I never realized how quickly it creeps up on you. Now, I think for myself, I am an entrepreneur. So I am alone a lot of the time, which definitely played a big part into that for me. The other thing is, is that a big part of my business uh, as a photographer, but working like coaching people is giving a lot of myself away a lot of the time. But I think being an entrepreneur, we're like hustle, 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 but we never take time to fill up our own cup. And so that's kind of what happened to me looking back now. But uh, there was a time where I went up to my brother's farm where there was no cell service or anything for three days. And I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. And as soon as I was coming back into the city and I started getting all these notifications on my phone, uh, I just like had a bit of a breakdown. Uh, Like I started to like bawl and cry. And I was like, what is this deep feeling that I have? Um, This kind of dread that I had been carrying with me since the beginning of the year, trying to outrun it. Um, But until I stepped away from the business for three days, it just kind of came came to a head then. And I was like, something has to change because this is not good. But the part that really struck me the most is that I had, I was quote unquote living the dream. As they say, if you look at my Instagram account, I was traveling everywhere to do photo shoots. I was photographing beautiful people, like everyone's beautiful. So everyone I photographed is beautiful. Uh, But I was, I was living like what, what as entrepreneurs we we think we want. I had consistent business. I was making money that like I could finally pay my bills. I was doing great. Uh, I was creating content, which was fun. But everything you saw showed you that I was on top of the world. But while the world saw that, I was crumbling on my own inside, but I was, I just kept trying to outrun it. And that's when I realized that you can't really do that because it will catch up to you. <laughs> Yeah. And so I, when I read that, I was like, uh, yep. I just basically, yep. Because I had the same very successful acupuncture practice. I was, I had a three month waiting list and I had colleagues that were not in such a lucky quote unquote situation that were saying, Oh my God, you're so lucky. And I'm thinking that three month waiting list is killing me. Yeah. It's killing me. Like I I can't handle it anymore. Um, and, you said something that I am noticing over and over again. When we overgive, we burn out. Yes. You can't pour from an empty cup, I realize. And everybody knows that saying, right? I mean, yeah. we talk about that. And and there's a huge self-care movement that started, what, five or ten years ago. Like, take care mm-hmm. of yourself. Love yourself. Like, get in the bath on a Sunday. Whatever the hell. But we're still burning out. Well, I think a big part of that too, that whole self-care movement also coincided with like the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world, which I love him. Don't get me wrong. But like that, that also that era where it's like hustle, like you have to be working night and day and you're not successful if you don't do it. And if you aren't successful, it's your own fault for not working hard enough. And it was just like the culture that was that, that had happened because I noticed that it wasn't just like once I started to look around, I realized I wasn't the only one that experienced this burnout. I noticed a bunch of other entrepreneur friends of mine um, kind of hit their their quota as well. So, um, and then that got me thinking, like we just came out of this whole, this whole period of hustle, hustle, hustle. And now we're like, yeah, but I can only do that for like four years before it kills me. 
Yeah, well, and I've had friends say, well, I'm just going to do that until it almost kills me, and then I'm going to make enough money to retire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, mm, um, I'm not really sure that's exactly how it works. Um, I have a, a challenge that I run called Get Out of Your Own Way. Oh. And it's very in line. So, you guys, just so that you know, I will put this stuff in the show notes, but Terry's uh, website and social media handle is tough love Terry, which <laughs> you love her immediately because some of the things that you wrote in your bio on your website were some of the things that my patients say about me. Like when I ask for testimonials, I ask one of the questions I ask is who shouldn't see me. Yeah. Always get, you know, people that can't handle the truth, like people that can't. So, so that's something that I, I related with a lot, but going back to that, I run this challenge and one of the exercises in the challenge is called the knot. And it's this idea that we all have a knot to take care of, you know, that the world is connected by a net. We all have our knot on top of our heads. We're meant to take care of our knot and not abandon it to take care of other people's knots. Yes, that's good. So there's a there's a whole big theory around it. I have a whole chapter in a book about it, but that's the most important piece of it. And I think overgiving is a combination of crossing your own inner boundary where you know you're offering more than you actually have so you're stepping over this inner boundary that you should have and you should respect first and foremost that's part of it and the other part of it is believing that you're the person that can save the day yes uh, that's what i said i suffer from shiro syndrome yeah. uh, where i like to play the hero a lot of the time um and i actually had to make a sign on like right in front of my computer and i'm looking at it right now but it says good for business or good for the ego yeah. because a lot of the times i'm like oh yeah let me do that for you like why do i feel that i have to say yes all the time to everything and even i started going to therapy for that and she's like why do you i was like oh, that didn't answer my question <laughs> like, i want you to tell me yeah exactly and i was like well because i'm afraid people won't like me yeah. And she's like, is that true? Will they not like you if you say no to certain things or just don't say anything at You're all? Like, possibly. To save the day. And I was like, well, I don't actually have any experience where that has happened. So I don't know why I think that. So that's why I need, but I need to have it like front and center in front of me. Like, is this an actual good decision? Are you doing it like because it's a good decision or because you feel you need to make a difference somehow, like, but for yourself really more than the other than for the person. Right. It usually is more about you than it is about them, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that one thing is that I, I, you said, you know, I'm not saying no enough. I'm not holding that boundary, but I often find myself in life crossing that boundary when people aren't even asking me for things. It, that's, that's just it. I'm like, ah, I could do that for you. And they're like, oh, okay. I, I was asking. Oh, if you want to. Yeah. If you want to like, go ahead. It's like, maybe you'll like me more if I do this thing, right? Like yeah, watch how generous I am. Exactly. And that's when I'm like, oh, yeah. that's that ego. Get out of here, ego. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then you said at the bottom of your story that this is why you created your coaching practice, this, this burnout. So, but before we get there, I want to ask if you had to do just sort of a mental recovery or did you have to do a physical recovery as well? I often meet people that have like been to a couple doctors are looking for reasons behind what's going on in their bodies and they're not quite 
finding things or sometimes they do find things and it turns into a problem, but there's often like a physical component. So did you need to physically heal yourself in some way or was it mostly a mental thing for you? Well, the good news is for me, I'm pretty self-aware. So I I knew I wasn't liking how I was feeling. And that's why I just kept trying to outrun it because I was like, well, this worked in the past. If I would just like change tracks, maybe for a bit, it will, it will go away. Right. Um, So it wasn't necessarily like I hit a wall physically, but I can tell you that within like three months I had gained over 30 pounds. Now I'm a body image activist. So for me, it wasn't necessarily that, ugh this weight, like I wasn't grossed out by the fact that I gained weight that way, but it was more so that's not like, I'm clearly not paying attention to what my body's needs are. If this is what's happening, like it was more of a symptom of a larger problem, which is stress. Right. So in that, like I knew that my body was not getting treated appropriately. So I didn't necessarily go to a doctor to get that taken care of. I just kind of like looked at myself and said, what the hell are you doing? And then in order to kind of like get away and take a bit of a break, I actually went back to school for positive psychology last year, which was the best thing. I say it was the best like therapy I ever paid for, <laughs> like the best tuition for therapy ever. But that that was the thing that really changed change my trajectory, I guess you could say. All right. So I want to talk about this in a big way because I love positive psychology and I'm not really a very big fan of positive thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So that's, I think that's a common misconception people have when they hear positive psychology. And in fact, the first, the first day of our class, they're like, okay, just so you know, this doesn't mean that you're going to have a happy life. (laughs) And we're like, we know that, but people don't know that Terry. That's exactly that. Exactly. They're like, oh, so now you're just happy all the time. It's like, no, I just have resilience now for when shit goes wrong. So positive psychology is more just about building the coping mechanisms because stuff does go wrong. Obviously that's life. Um, but it's how you bounce back from those things that, uh, really makes a big difference in your overall life. Exactly. This is something in, in my practice with my patients and in my, um, online practice with clients, um, I call that bounce back ability. Yes. yes. And this is the most important thing because, the, and I really, I do want to spend a minute on this. Most people that have read my blog for some time, they know that I'm not into positive thinking just for the sake of it. But yeah. I do very much believe in positive psychology. So that can seem to be from the outside, something that doesn't make a lot of sense to some people. How can you be for this and against that? Aren't they the same thing? Yeah. But what I find happens in the world of Instagram rainbows and unicorns yeah, is that people use these inspirational quotes to allow themselves to not sit in the shit when they need to. Yes, exactly. It's like they don't actually feel it. And, and, and I say, I, like, you need to honor, like, that was a thing when I had that bit of a breakdown. I honored it kind of in a way that I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to have this little breakdown, I guess. We're going to cry a bit. And, but then we got to figure the shit out. Like you can't stay here. That was, that was kind of the talk that I gave myself. And it wasn't like, just go have a bath and it'll be fine. Right. <laughs> you and know? it wasn't just, you can't stay here. It was, you can't stay here. And I believe that you have the power to do something about it. Yeah. It's like, let's look at all the things that have contributed to what's happening. Like literally be honest with yourself about what has added up, what 
what have you done differently that like maybe your version of success isn't what you thought you wanted after all. That was a big, a big aha for me realizing that chasing money wasn't in it for that was not for me. Um, Not that making money is a bad thing. Just for me, I thought I needed in order to be competitive with the other people doing what I was doing. um, I pushed myself too, too far. When you redefine, this is something that I've had to do for myself um, more than once, (laughs) redefine success. When you were looking at success as uh, financial success, which is the typical way to look at it, this is the the world that we grew up in, correct? Like it's it's what we're taught. What did you change it to? So it's less about like, I don't have to work. I don't have to be at my studio seven days a week. Um, I can take even half a day off or a day off to go to my nephew's um, graduation ceremony or spend time with my family. I can leave my phone at the studio. So that way, when I go home, I'm fully present with the people or I will read a book um, and that I can have boundaries and it doesn't mean everything I built is going to fall away. Uh, I think that's the biggest, the biggest myth that entrepreneurs, uh, have been fed is that if you stop hustling in any capacity, it will all go away. Uh, and in fact, I've just found that no, it doesn't, it it doesn't get bad. It just gets different. Um, and so now it's, well, once I realized too, in my positive psychology class, there was a study, I I don't know it exactly, but basically it came to once you hit $75,000 after that, your return on investment is better spent on relationships with people uh, for your happiness more than making more money. So I was like, Oh, okay, well that's an easy number to hit. (laughs) So, so yeah, once I, that kind of gave me a bit of freedom to be like, yeah, I don't need to be constantly constantly making more like it's not about the money it's more like how many lives can I change and what is the most efficient way that I can do that um but what does success look like now so success to me now is definitely taking more time for myself and like I don't have kids myself but I have five babies that aren't mine (laughs) Uh, so that is my brothers and my sister's kids um so it's spending time with them at least once a week it's having family dinners Uh, like the ability to have a family dinner. It is the ability to have a studio that I love to go to. And when I'm there, I'm productive for the eight to 10 hours that I'm there. Um, But also I'm able to travel with my husband. And then when I come back, I I realized that I work more seasonally than I do daily, if that makes sense. Um, And maybe it's because I grew up on a farm (laughs) where you like harvest and things like that. So I tend to work in like three month increments where I'll go hustle, 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 and then a big long break and then hustle, 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 and then a break. Whereas before it was like hustle for 12 months out of the year and keep it going because you never, you don't want the momentum to stop because that's what you're taught. Um, you should never take a break. You know what I mean? Um, and now it's interesting because now all the, all the people, the entrepreneurs that were saying like, Oh, like follow your momentum, da, 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 da are now like, Oh, but you also have to take a rest by the way. Right. Like what what I'm hearing in between the lines in your version of success is that in, in your current life, what you feel is successful is your ability to be present, whether you are resting or working. Yes, exactly. That is a very good uh, summary of my very long words. Yes. 
That sounds like, so, and this is something that I find um, is very related to burnout is the, this uh, tired, but wired feeling, this yeah. total inability to be resting and actually rest. And I, so my husband realized early on in our relationship that the only way to get me to take an actual vacation was to put me on a cruise ship uh, <laughs> where I'm in the middle of the ocean with no internet. <laughs> And I literally just nap for the majority of the time, to be honest. Uh, I nap and I read. And it, the first the first like day or two is really frustrating for me because obviously your brain is still on work mode. But it is the best thing that ever happens to me. Even don't tell him I said that. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can't know. I, this is our little yeah. secret. Just exactly. Not, and everybody else. Share, yeah, exactly. Don't <laughs> share this podcast with him. He can know it. But I'm thankful to have a support system like that as well, where when I don't know that it's getting too much for me, I have somebody to pull me out of it, um, even though I might put up a bit of a fight. And it sounds silly. Like, why are you saying, like, no to going on a cruise or, like, going on a vacation? Like, that just sounds ridiculous. But when you're so addicted to working, which it is an addiction, it's really hard to take time just to be. Yes, this is something that um – funny you should say that my husband does for me as well last year we went on last year the year before we went on a skiing trip we cross-country ski and we went on a massive skiing trip that was six days from hut to hut in northern finland oh where cool. not only were there no phones and no <laughs> there's no internet even if you had your phone the battery would have died in like <laughs> negative three seconds because it was so cold I was angry most of the time that I was doing it, not because I wasn't working, but because I was working through all of the emotions that I hadn't given myself the time to process over the past probably two years, you know? Of course, obviously I blamed him, poor guy, like not his fault since apologized, but I was sort of like upset with him for not waiting for me or doing this. I was finding reasons and, and it was it was really silly, but I realized afterwards that it just gave me this space to process all this stuff. Like one of the most important things for me in keeping burnout at bay is taking social media, taking yes. phone breaks, like turning my phone off for a week. And just like you said, the first two days are like, oh my God. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, there's a whole world out here. It's like you electronic. Your head up. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's when I realized I was like, oh, maybe I do have a problem with like, uh, with work. And I think it's hard to, to think that work can be an addiction, but it absolutely is, especially as an entrepreneur, because we also love what we do usually. So it's really hard to see when it becomes a problem. Yes. I think when yes. you're in, especially it. when that's you're successful, like, because yeah. people are saying, yeah, but but look at everything you have. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is a, a, an, an important point, something that I have written about in the past that um, is another thing about the, uh, the positive thinking world that really, really gets my goat. <laughs> All of the Instagram posts about the fact that if you follow your passion, it will never feel like work and you'll float on clouds and only kiss princes all day long and people will sprinkle you with diamonds and you can only eat frosting and brownies and feel wonderful. 
Yeah, that and uh, in in my psychology class, we actually learned like if you have the affirmations and stuff like that, unless you actually believe it, they actually don't work. Um, which maybe makes people sad that might listen to this. But I was like, oh, interesting. Um, yeah, well, I just like, don't want people to feel like there's this magic passion out there waiting to save them from their themselves. Like I haven't ever had a job that I didn't love. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Cause I say the same thing too. And people are like, what was like your worst job? And I was like, actually, like I just made the best of whatever I had to do. Um, and same, I never really had a bad job because it was just what it was when I needed it. I think. <laughs> well, and like, I mean, I'm, I'm an acupuncturist by my degree is, is in Chinese medicine and you don't study something like that without it being a major passion. Yeah. Like you, you just don't do that because it's too much work. You don't follow these passion projects into business lightly. And I think yeah. that there's, I think that people are burnt out and disappointed often because they're quote unquote following their passion. So they don't understand how they can feel that way because everything that they've learned taught them that if they just follow their passion, they'll just feel good all the time. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I'm big on setting appropriate expectations all the time. Yeah, me too. Um, so like, that's the one reason why on my website, it says like, this is, if this is you, you're not for me kind of thing. Yes. Cause I want people to know, like, I don't want there to be any surprises. Um, but it's always hard to set those expectations more so for ourselves, I think. Um, which is why I'm like, but this is what I expected. And, but this is what it is. And when you see online that like, Oh, everyone else obviously is, Oh, they're so successful. Da, da, da. You don't see the times when they are having breakdowns in their car or when they're so sick but still going to work even though they absolutely shouldn't be doing that um you don't see the times when when shit is going bad usually and if you do i always say like the the people that do post like stuff that goes bad in their business online more often than not, it is a strategy so yes. it's not so it's like oh look i'm having a bad day like everyone has bad days like that's strategic it's not necessarily still authentic as much it's opinion. not vulner it's not vulnerability it's vulnerability like false yeah, vulnerability. I like that. that's a good one <laughs> i think it was Brené brown who said that i'm not sure yeah so because i noticed that a lot too like online people be like oh yeah we also have hard days it's like yeah but you don't need to tell people necessarily like it's one thing to talk about with other entrepreneurs so that they don't feel so alone but i guess it depends who your audience is yeah, I don't it depends know. I on who your audience is, and it depends on if you're actually being honest about where you are right now, or if you're like, oh my god, I woke up today, and I was still really tired, so I gave myself a two-hour break. Yeah. <laughs> like, congratulations. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah, I think I think it's really important for people to be very self-aware, though, uh, like that. Like for me, thankfully, it only lasted about three months. That usually is my thing for anything. Like when I feel icky in my right. mind is usually I'll stick with something for three months and be like, this is not me anymore. Um, we got to figure this out. But uh, I think that's the first thing people have to do when it comes to like just recognizing physiologically what is happening to you. Yeah, Like when you feel icky and don't hide from it. Like yeah. really get honest, even if that's just in your journal. <laughs> well, you know, it's the 
what you're saying right now really ties into, um, for me personally, my perspective on, on your, I think it was the end of May, May 23rd, you posted a blog post um, about overusing the word fat. And instead of saying, like, I feel fat, like, find your actual feeling. And this is, I say the same thing to people, but with the word stress in my practice. Don't tell me you're stressed. That's not an emotion. <laughs> what are you feeling? Yeah, I think it's hard for people to, um, there's like a really good graphic that shows all the different emotions that people can feel, um, which is something you want that- in yeah, I think yeah, I, was gonna say, I think it's in the blog there. And yeah. like I think that's the biggest thing with people is that they don't want to dig any deeper than the umbrella term that they use uh, because then it gets scary because then you have to take responsibility once you know what the actual thing is. Yeah, if you can actually name it and you own it, yeah. Yeah, then it's like, then I say, then it becomes ignorant, uh, conscious ignorance yes. as opposed to just ignorance. If you don't know what's causing it, then you can complain and you can be sad and like, well, not that you can be sad anyways, but yeah, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? And then, but then once you know what is causing it and you have, you know that, okay, I can change this uh, and you can come up with a strategy, then you have nobody to complain. You can't complain about it then because now you're actively choosing to stay there instead of taking action, even if it's hard to do the thing. Right. I think. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. And I think this is something that is, um, like you said, it's really difficult for people. And one thing is because you said, you know, they prefer to use the umbrella term. I think that we haven't spent enough time, especially, you know, kids are learning it now more so than they ever have. Teenagers now know more emotional words than I ever did as a teenager. Mm-hmm. We weren't taught to use those words. So you, we really don't, often we don't have the actual skill to recognize the emotion when it comes up because we have haven't had any practice like we literally people literally sometimes don't know and i found that to be true in even in my life and i i do know a lot of these things i study these things and i've still had moments of like oh i don't i don't know like the graphic that you have in that blog um you guys i will put this blog post of terry's in the show notes so that you can see what we're talking about the, the graphic that you have is is a really great one in that blog post because yeah. it comes in layers and it's like there's there's degrees of things and it's you know nicely color coordinated. <laughs> um, but I think we have a bigger feeling. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's it's like wheel of fortune for emotions. <laughs> for emotions, that's exactly what it looks like, and I think that it's a really powerful tool because you might need to just read through the list just to know if, if it showed up in your life, would you recognize it? That, yeah, that's a really great question. Um, to, or like a good challenge for people to do to like, like, just like, yeah, go through the list and like, how does it, how does that word sit with you? Like what feelings come up when you think of that word? Yeah. And then that's, that will be mimicked when it actually happens usually. Right. Um, like when you actually feel that. So then when it happens, you can recognize that physiological symptom again. Like sometimes for me, it's like a tightening of the chest, right? Quidginess in the tummy, um, like a rapid heart rate, you know, like different things like that for different emotions. Um, so yeah, it's really important to recognize what does your, how does your body respond to those emotions? Because it's different for everyone. Yeah. What does that mean in your body? Because I don't care if most people, when they're angry, raise their shoulders, you might do it when you're afraid. 
Yeah, exactly. So you have to pay attention to what is right for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you have your three month sort of seasons and if something's not working, you sort of adjust and adjust. And do you, another thing that that I believe, but I'm going to ask if you believe it, do you believe that there's a destination to all of this or do you believe that you'll be in this sort of seasonal thing probably for most of your life? Well, I think uh, there was this activity we actually did in my psychology class, which made it very visual for me. Um, You have to think of it kind of like a figure eight. I don't know if you ever saw the diagram for that. But basically, so uh, they drew it out on the floor. But if you imagine a figure eight and the top, uh, so a figure eight on its side. So if you turn it sideways. so the top symbol. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the top of the left part of the figure eight is um, very active, like you're active in whatever your thing is, business, relationships, whatever. You're very active all the time. But if you stay there too long, then you start going down the side. And then that's when you get overworked, you get tired, you get um, things start to fall, you're just overworking. So then you have to come up through the middle of the figure eight to the top where it's rest. So now you spend time in rest to refuel your ideas, replenish your creativity, literally resting your body. But then if you stay there too long, then you get complacent. um, You lose your motivation and things like that. So then you have to kick yourself back up to the action part. Um, So it's like this continual figure eight that that should happen. So you're constantly flowing between the two because you can't have one without the other. Uh, And it was such a powerful visual for me that I was like, shit, I'm always at the bottom of the... (laughs) of the left-hand side. <laughs> like that's where I spend most of my life. And that's not good because that's when you're sick and tired and you get bitter with your customers and your clients and you start to dislike the, yeah. the thing you were once passionate about, even though that's not what you're actually mad about. Right. Um, but you, you don't see it until you see it. Um, so yeah, I've, I can draw you. Uh, I can draw you what it is, and then send it to you if you want to include it in the notes. Yeah, I would love to include it in the notes. And it's and I'm wondering when you were saying it, it matches perfectly with the Tai Chi symbol of Chinese medicine. Well, really of Taoism. The the people call it the Yin Yang symbol. It's not yeah. pronunciation, but that's okay. Um, and it, it's the very it's the it's the same theory. So. There's the black side and the white side, right? And the white side has a seed of the black and the black has the seed of the white. And the seed of the white is in the most concentrated part of the black. So when you're in that, you know, big, big, big phase, the natural thing is to slide into the other phase because there is a seed of that already in it all the time. It's, it's And it yeah. just transforms and transforms and transforms. So the, the, the Tai Chi symbol, um, of course, it's drawn out in a 2D form but was never meant to be visualized in that way it's actually a full circle that's constantly moving a full sphere that's constantly moving around itself that's really cool yeah that is exactly yeah what what the point is of the one that we learned about as well and i just thought it was like it was it, it was almost like seeing it that way gave me permission to rest like it it basically let me know that you will actually be more productive if you rest yeah. So like, so the workaholic in me is like, well, strategically that makes sense right. that I should, that I should rest. So that way I can get more done. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. And, and so I'll put this right into my plan and I will do it well. Yeah, exactly. So now it's part of the plan as opposed to like something that I have to do. 
<laughs> right? Like people yeah. pulling you away to, you have to do it. Um, now it becomes like, nope, this will make me a better boss, a better business owner. I'm just better all around. Yeah. So yeah, so it was really cool. So I'll send you the drawing of that. Yeah, so I would love to have the drawing of it. And um, I want to talk about something that you haven't written anywhere and is sort of outside of the burnout topic, but it is part of your empowerment empire that was on your website, but you didn't mention in your bio. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. Can we talk about Babes Against Bullshit? Oh, yeah. And sure. I just, I think this is a really powerful idea. And I think that there are people that will listen to this podcast that feel the kind of thing, things that you feel. And I mean, I feel them when I read this, I was like, Oh my God, those are my people. Yes. So originally the Babes Against Bullshit group, it is a group on Facebook, a community on Facebook that I created. It originally started as a place for my photography clients to kind of talk about, obviously I do um, more intimate photography, so boudoir. Um, so it's just a nice safe place for women on the internet where they can talk about whatever they want um, in this closed group. But then as I was like shifting kind of my my business, I guess, to incorporate more of the psychology and the coaching and the body image bootcamp, whatever. I realized that my message is bigger than just photography and I wanted to open it up more to just any woman that is over it, <laughs> that really wants to improve their, their, their education of the world as a whole, um, to lift other women up. I think it's really important to have that. Um, obviously everyone, but Women specifically, I think uh, we've been pitted against each other a lot in previous history. So I think it's important that we work together now to get more done, especially now. And uh, yeah, so then it grew really quickly uh, from like 650 people very quickly to a group of like 8,500 or something right now, um, which is awesome. But it's the best part for me is like... The, when I get the messages from people that maybe don't um, participate as much, like don't share stuff, but they're watching and then they're taking it into their lives um, and making a difference. Like even if it's just they, they became more educated on trans women and how they can better be allies or, um, you know, like how they can better support like bodies of different sizes or whatever the thing might be. Um, but yeah, I just think women have so much power and we've been held back a lot previously. So I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I loved it. And, and I'm going to read exactly what was written on your website so people can, um, can get a real like feel for it. The thing that I reacted to when I was reading it said, you know, babes against bullshit. It says, this is a community designed to empower women and provide them with a supportive network of babes to question the status quo. And I was like, hell yes. <laughs> hell yes. I love it. I think that is super powerful. Um, so if there's anybody out there, I will also put, if it's okay with you, Terry, I will also put a link to your Facebook group in the show notes um, so that people can enjoy that as well. Because I think right now this is happening, right? Women are uniting more. We are fighting for more things. And the body image is a huge thing and the racial things are ginormous and we have so many things to overcome. The trans, like you mentioned, like this needs to be dealt with. Like there's so many things 
that we can overcome if we kind of pull it all together. And this is one of those places that we're pulling it all together, that you're pulling it all together. So I'm really grateful for you for creating that because I think it's just such a powerful thing that's necessary in today's world. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You are so welcome. Terry, that was a super cool conversation. It was uh, even better than I expected. I waited to talk to you all day today after I read your (laughs) website because I was so pumped by who you are. Um, So my last question is, is there anything floating around in your head, any parting words for our people that are listening today? Any parting wisdom? I think the biggest thing is don't be afraid of when you feel those squidgy feelings. Like don't be afraid to tell somebody about that. Um, I was always the person that I could do it on my own. I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need anybody. Uh, But that is what got me into my burnout was not telling somebody sooner that something was wrong in my mind, like that I was working too much. um, And I, I wouldn't let other people help me. Um, so I think being open to the idea that it's a, it's okay to do everything on your own. Just know that you can, but you don't have to. Um, and to reach out specifically to the people you trust the most. Like for me, that'd be my husband, my, my sister, uh, and my mom and my two best friends. Like they are the people like you don't have to go out all the time, but just be like, I need, I tell them you appreciate it when they take you out. (laughs) Yeah, because that's the thing is I would never make the initiative to go out with my friend on my own, but I really appreciated the break when my friend would be like, we're going. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So I think it's really important to, to get out of your own way that way and recognize that you do need people more than you think you do. I'm totally with you on that. I, I have a very similar experience. The only thing I would add to that is if you're telling someone and you don't feel like you're being heard, tell somebody else. Until, yes. <laughs> until you get there, until you find the person that's going to look at you and see you and listen. That's a, yeah, that's a big thing too, is understand that you're, I think the biggest thing is with our partners, uh, we've been taught to believe that they are, are everything, like yeah, they should do everything possible. for us, but they can't because I myself can't do that. So why would I expect that of someone else? Right. So yeah, so have different people for different things. Have your people to talk to about business, have your people to talk to about relationships, have your people to talk to about anything, you know, uh, or like just have your people and, and use them for their talents that way, I would say. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Terry, I am so, so grateful for your time and mostly your spirit. I mean, the things that you share and the things that you're doing are so, so, so important right now. And I was super excited to talk to you and I was definitely not disappointed So I am so grateful for your time and your heart and your spirit. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. And that wraps up another episode of Fried, the ultimate guide to burnout podcast. If this episode was useful for you, please do share it with your families and friends. The more listens we get, the easier it is for us to find everyone's ears that need us. And we are so happy to be filling the space on the podcast airwaves that is so necessary about burnout and entrepreneurship and women in the world today. So please do share and we will see you next time. (laughs) 
Thank you.